Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good evening and welcome to AJ's Sports Grill at the Alley at our weekly coaches show night. And we've got two for you tonight. Right now it is Greg Marshall, head men's basketball coach. The Shockers coming off an 80-75 to win over Oklahoma at Intrust Bank Arena on Saturday evening. And now 9-1 and one on the year, and that is starting to get them some increased national attention, which we'll talk about later. And then coming up from 7-8, to eight, Steve Strain with women's head coach Keitha Adams. They put up 100 on Arkansas Pine Bluff today, so it's been a good day for them as well. Coach, I thought we might start our discussion of the uh, OU game. I'll turn here a little better now. Okay. Uh, with kind of an interesting matchup situation for you from the beginning. They're two post guys, Manic and Doolittle, kind of uh, presented some interesting matchup challenges for you, and you had to do some adjusting as the game started out. Yeah, we, we really did, Mike. Um, they don't do much in the post. You know, they're not traditional post players, if you will. Manic is a guy that obviously shoots the basketball. That's how he affects the game predominantly in my opinion is he's a he's a sniper he he gets off real quick his jump shot he doesn't need much room they they ended up going to this baseline play and I watched five game films of them and I Isaac Brown probably watched more than that I never saw that play so they put in that baseline play uh, in the first half of they almost got a five-point play. Uh, the referee was going to give them uh, the three-point shot that was good, the, the two free throws that were coming up after that, and probably a, a used car or something. <laughs> but, um, but in the second half, um, they did it again. Dexter was guarding him, and they did it in the, again. So that kid can really shoot the ball. Doesn't do much in the post at all. Uh, so we were uh, switching all of his ball screens when he set them. But we, we thought our five men – had a better chance of guarding Doolittle um, because he plays on the perimeter, but he loves to come right at you and take the jump shot. He's, I think he was a 30-something percent three-point shooter, low 30s coming in. It wasn't his forte. He had, he had not made one a game. But, boy, he, he can shoot the basketball. We learned that. Um, but I, 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 we wanted to switch the ball screens with Manic, and we did not want our point guards – then on Doolittle um, because he is a more of, a, of, of an athlete, if you will. So he hurt us a little bit. Um, we had to change the way we defended the ball screens in the second half. Uh, we were really telling our bigs to keep the ball in front and let them throw it back to Doolittle and then close out. We'll take what, it, what, what, what he gives us. But he gave us about 10 quick points at the end of the first half. So we changed to a quick hedge and back on his ball screens in the second half and uh, did a good job on him. But they don't, they don't score inside. That, that team, unless they get a layup, they do not score inside. And the discrepancy between points in the paint for us compared to Oklahoma was huge. And early in the game, 
Doolittle tried a little bit, breaking Jamie down on the dribble, trying to make some crossover moves, try to get by him, and Jamie did a good job of not letting him do that, so he just started gradually moving out a little farther. Once he did, you tried Asbjorn. It wasn't a game where he could effectively guard people. It was a, a tough matchup for poor Bear, so it, it caused some adjustments, and, and one of them, you meant, I think you mentioned, Dexter played some four defensively yeah. so that he could guard Manic away from the basket. Yeah, and... Um... It was a different matchup type game because of their post players. Um, but, you know, we, we told our guys, they're going to make some. They're talented players, as we all know. But live with the tough two and make them take contest in, in the, early in the game. And they were missing, 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 missing. And there was nobody offensive rebounding. The, it, we were fighting over defensive rebounds amongst ourselves. But, um, you know, I, I guess the – Kerr Kowath or whatever his name is, he did not play in the game. I don't know whether he was hurt, but he is the, a legit post player with his back to the basket that they have. Um, and then number zero, and I can't pronounce his name, but he's the third post player, and he did play. But um, they're not very deep, and, and, you know, we just we did a pretty good job. We did a good enough job on those guys, um, but we wanted to make Reeves catches hard. We wanted to... Uh, anytime he was using ball screens, we were just going to gold and, and, or switch, is what we call gold, and not let him get an open look. And, and he goes five for 13, and two of those were very late. And because of the situation we're in, we just talked about with your post players, uh, I thought it was really important that Mo Udeze gave you the minutes that he did, and especially on the offensive end, his quickness bothered them. He had a couple of three-point plays in the game. Well, uh, again, they're not traditional post players, and, and they're not that, that big. Manic's 6'9", so he's Doolittle 6'7", and well-proportioned. Well uh, but then they play three guards. I mean, uh, Reeves is their three-man, I guess, along with Biennemi and... Um, and uh, Damian Harmon, who had a very good game. But um, um, I thought we, we just took care of things in the paint. We out-rebounded them. We scored in the paint much more than they did. And you're talking about a Big 12 team. So, you know, we've seen West Virginia, uh, and, and that's going to be an interesting uh, contrast in styles because West Virginia has legit post players, but they don't have the skill that Oklahoma's do. Um, and then we've seen Oklahoma State, but – we, we, we won the boards by 15 or 17, um, and we, we killed them in the, in, the, in the paint. So that was a, an advantage for us relative to the, the Oklahoma Sooners. Now, you mentioned the, the points in the paint, and in the, uh, the first half, 14, almost half of your shots were from three-point range, and you were struggling a little bit to score, even though you got some good looks inside. But was that even more of an emphasis to try to go inside and get the ball in the paint in the second half? Well, yes, it was. And, and uh, Mo does a great job of pursuing second-chance opportunities. When he got in foul trouble, and he was, he was able to avoid some foul trouble this time, and he was able to get a couple of stick backs. Uh, he got a couple of post feeds where he made moves. I mean, we got the ball to Poor Bear one time in the first half, and he and he just acted like, okay, this is I'm just this is kind of for show. I mean, put the ball in the basket. He had the guy on his back, and he didn't really make an assertive move. Um, but Mo did in the first half, and then in the second half, he got some nice stick backs. But the game changed when we started playing more downhill. Uh, Grant Sherfield, I thought, coming off the ball screens and driving into the paint to find others. He found Jamie a couple of times. 
Um, and then his floater, he, he got himself open when they started going with the roller, and he was able to get his floater game going, his pull-up game in the lane. And I thought that's when the game changed. He started to play downhill and be more aggressive and get paint touches. And then if you want to stay with those shooters now, that opens up the middle of the floor. And there are a lot of positives to talk about from this game, but certainly one of them, a week ago we talked about how well J.B. played at Oklahoma State and just kind of took over the game, the way he ran the show and made plays. He did not have as good a day, but Grant stepped in and kind of took over that same role, doing the same kinds of things that Jamarius had done at Oklahoma State. Absolutely, and, and that's the way it goes when you have a lot of talented players. You can't expect uh, to play your best every single night. But it's, a, it's such a, a, a bounty for a coach to have J.B., who was clearly the player of the game at Oklahoma State, and Grant didn't play as much. And then they flip-flop roles in the Oklahoma game. Grant Sherfield could have been the player of the game, and J.B. didn't play his best. But to have both of them, and even Noah Fernandez, here's another guy that can really play the game, and he didn't even get an opportunity. So... Having quality depth is, is what we have with this young group, and uh, you're seeing the benefits of it right now. You are listening and watching Shocker head coach Greg Marshall as we continue our discussion about the Shockers' win over OU in the week ahead as we continue on the Greg Marshall Show from AJ Sports Grill at the end. Welcome back to our Greg Marshall show from AJ's. Let me correct something I said earlier. This is the only show tonight. The women had a game earlier today, so there will not be a women's basketball show tonight. And while we're talking about all of that, this will be our last show for three weeks. No Monday night shows either of the next two weeks as we're leading into both Christmas and New Year's. So we will be back here after the first of the year with our next coaches show night. Coach, I'll, we can talk about any and all of these things, but I thought I'd just throw these out. At halftime, Oklahoma led by four. They were eight of ten from the line to Wichita State's three of four, so six more free throw attempts. Oklahoma had three turnovers. Wichita State had eight. We talked about points in the paint. Wichita State was six of 17, 35% from two-point range. In the second half, the Shockers shot 48% from two points in the paint were 10 10 at halftime 24 to 2 wichita state in the second half you mentioned downhill fast break points were 4 to 2 ou in the first half 15 to 4 wichita state in the second half oklahoma averages seven and a half more free throw attempts a game than their opponents in the second half it was 16 to 4 wichita state the shockers made 15 of 16 and the shockers had two more turnovers the rest of the night Oklahoma had four in the second half. Points off turnovers ended up even. Yeah, we, we kind of dominated the stats in the second half, but a lot of those free throws came at the end when they were intentionally fouling. So I think probably eight of them, four, four trips at least. Grant, uh, Dexter at least once or twice, Grant once or twice, and JB. So maybe ten of those free throws. I mean, we weren't getting a lot of free throw attempts prior to the end of the game. Um, uh, <clears throat> well, I'm not going to get into all that, but uh, – um, let's see the downhill, you know, we were, we were, we were getting some stops, you know, we got some stops. I thought our, our adjustment at halftime was good for the ball screens and, um, just a, just a, just a good day. I thought the, the, the energy in the, the place was really good. I thought, 
it got very, very loud when we started making that run. Uh, I don't know what point of the what minutes were left. Was it eight minutes, ten minutes? And we went on a 12-0 run. Started with 11 and a half to go. Okay, so that was, you know, just it wasn't desperation time, but, man, it was just it was good. To, they, they, they burned two timeouts during that run, so – it was it was an onslaught, and it was it was just fun to see our guys play with that energy and and with that confidence. That's that's the thing. They're starting to figure it out. You know, it, I've said all along with with young players. Sometimes they get it from day one. Other times it takes them a couple of weeks. Sometimes it takes them a couple of months. Sometimes it takes them a year or two. Just to see Tyson Etienne against Oklahoma State, Grant Sherfield against Oklahoma, having these young guys really come along like our freshmen did last year at varying times is just really fun to watch as a coach and just hopefully now they can build on that and just continue to get better. And to, to follow up on what you just said, one of the reasons I brought up all these things, the, the turnaround in the second half, that has to be very gratifying as a coach because obviously things that you were a little deficient in, you talk about at halftime and, and your team made great adjustments. To some degree, same thing against Oklahoma State. You came out to start the second half and just blew that game wide open. Yeah, well, let's, let's hope we can do it one more time Saturday <laughs> before the Christmas break. Uh, you know, we got a good VCU team in here and they kind of handled us last year at their place and that was a well, that's not a very fun place to be on a, when you're playing a, against their basketball team, Richmond, Virginia. They, they, that's a raucous crowd and kind of a, a rude crowd a little bit, man. They get after you. I thought, I thought this gentleman was about to be in a fight with the people at the end of our bench. That he had a, one of those metal beer cans in his hand, and he had had a few of those. <laughs> and I wasn't counting. I was, I was kind of busy. But I know that every time I looked down there, he had one. And uh, – it was, it, the one he had was either really hot or he had a fresh one coming all the time. Um, and he was right in the face of our players at the end of the bench. And, and Dominic O'Cone saw it, and I think eventually he got some security down there because it could have gotten ugly. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we owe them. Let's just put it that way. Uh, we'll get back to the Rams a little bit later. But uh, I mentioned the turnover thing. The Maybe the biggest difference in the first half was just the number of possessions. They weren't shooting it great either, except Doolittle made some threes right at the end of the half. But uh, eight turnovers to three, they just had more possessions, and you really turned that around in the second Yeah, half. we were making some bad choices with the ball, um, trying to force things. Again, uh, we, our offense wasn't running as smoothly as I, was li I would like to, to a, a run. And then we threw it into the post players a couple times, and Asbjorn had a lob. All he had to do was get his left hand up and catch the ball and dunk it. And then um, Jamie had a beautiful post feed from someone, uh, maybe Grant or, or JB, and it hits his right hand. All he has to do is drop step and dunk it, and he loses it. So we were losing the ball uh, on our drives. I think JB went in there one time and got it deflected off his leg or something. So, again, we weren't getting the benefit of the, the call to get to the foul line. So anytime there was contact in the first half down there, it was just let's go the other way. One other thing that I, w I wanted to touch on, you mentioned that 12-0 run. You were down by eight. You go on a 12-0 run, go up by four. You got the lead up to six. Then they made one last 8-0 run in the next couple of minutes. What ahead, 66-64, and they had the ball, turned it over, and Tyson Etienne, who certainly didn't have a great game, certainly not like the game he had at Oklahoma State, hits a huge three from the corner to put you back in front. Just picked a great time to, to make a big shot. Well, Jamie had the ball and, and, and had tried to make a move or gotten an offensive rebound or something, and for some reason it was a, 
um, opportunity basketball because they had Manic guarding Tyson Etienne, and, and Tyson just drifts to the left corner along the baseline, and Manic stopped guarding him. He just stayed under the basket. So it was like fish in a barrel for uh, for Tyson Etienne. I mean, he's wide open. He's going to make that nine times out of ten. Such a good shooter, and, and they just lost him uh, in a, at a bad time. Next time down, you make a stop. You're up one. Dexter misses a shot. Jamie gets the offensive rebound. He misses, and Trey Wade comes up with a huge follow to give you a three-point lead. Dex was wide open. It was a great look at the top of the key. I, you know, he's going to make that eventually. Um, uh, Jamie has a point-blank layup and could have dunked it. I don't know how he misses it. And thank goodness Trey didn't give up on the play because that third effort is what gave us the, the, the lead that we never relinquished at that point. And he was relentless all day. 15 rebounds, ties for the second most in the 13 years that you've been here. Yeah, he, pretty good guys. Yes, I mean, he's, uh, we've had some rebounders over the years, and, and for Trey to, to make that claim already is pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, he took a couple of bad shots in the first half. He's still learning, you know. Don't, don't panic. You make your move. You don't have a good look. Don't just throw something up. How many five-second counts have we had all year long? Uh, and uh, you have to keep reminding them of that because they, wanna, they, they think that that clock is ticking and so they want to get rid of it or so they take a bad shot sometimes. And that's what happened with him twice in the first half. But he rebounds. He didn't shoot it particularly well uh, on Saturday, but he competes and he knows our system and uh, he's just been a wonderful addition along with these freshmen, and, and we're excited about You know, we, we still have such a young team, Mike. Every week I say that, but we have one senior, and that's, that's uh, Jamie, and we only have two juniors. So uh, if we can keep this group together and they can all, you know, buy into what their role is and continue to work to get better, I mean, we, we have a very high ceiling with this bunch. You know, we've talked a lot about your defense and, and how good is it. The numbers have certainly been good, and you, you've said, you know, certainly teams like Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and VCU will test how good it really is. This was a game, as we've talked about a little bit, where matchups were key because of the skill of some of their players. Doolittle basically had a really good game, but as well as he played, he took 22 shots to score 22 points. And I know as a coach, most times you'll take that. Austin Reeves took 13 shots to get 13 points and was 3 of 11, 0 for 6 from 3, before he hit those two long desperation threes late. Yeah, I just um, the defense was good. We gave up 75 points, but we held them far under their average uh, from a percentage perspective. Uh, they normally shoot like 45%, yeah, I think, yeah. and we held them to something like 38 so, yeah, and they had to work for everything. We lost Manic one time in transition. Of course, he burns a three. But uh, overall, I would give our defense at least a B-plus on Saturday afternoon. And we will continue our discussion of Shocker basketball with head coach Greg Marshall. But first, this time out, we're at AJ Sports Grill at the end. Welcome back to AJ's and our weekly get-together with Greg Marshall. Although, again, a reminder, it will not be weekly for the next couple of weeks. We'll be back after the first of the year with our next show. On Mondays is when a lot of things come out, rankings, player awards, and Eric Stevenson is the American Athletic Conference Player of the Week for his performance against the University of Oklahoma. 16 points, seven rebounds, two block shots, just one turnover in 36 minutes, hit six of 11 shots, including four of seven from three. And as good as that was, that's just almost becoming commonplace for him lately. 
Kids playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, obviously, he's very um, passionate about the game and plays plays with a chip on his shoulder, uh, shooting the ball better uh, as as his sophomore year starts to unfold. Um, defending much much better than he did last year and and rebounding at a high level. So uh, he may be. Uh, he's, he's definitely in our top three passers, I believe, with, with uh, Grant and uh, JB and Eric. Eric has some great vision. He had the beautiful pass to Jamie for the dunk, which was the and one. Um, just playing, playing at a high level and competing like crazy, like, like, you know, like we like guys to compete. And certainly from that standpoint, we've talked about Jamarius in that role. A couple of guys that are really emerging as leaders off the experience that they gained a year ago. Yeah, I think, I think Eric, Dexter, and, and JB probably are, have been the leaders uh, for the most part um, early this year with their confidence that they gained as well as their experience. Um, um, and with Dexter not playing as well as he, he has in the past, uh, He's more quiet anyway. I think JB and, and Eric especially, their voices really carry in that locker room. Though I'm not in there except for game day is that much, but I know that, that that's what you hear in practice. And we've got a lot of guys that chatter and, and have a lot of positive things to say in practice. Dexter Dennis came, came off the bench, hit his first three. Everyone went crazy. I know everyone was hoping that would kind of unlock the, the lock. It didn't from, from the field, but he did make <clears> six <throat> of six from the free throw line, including four down the stretch when the game was still in doubt. So I'm sure we're all hoping maybe that's that little shot of confidence. Yeah, and he, he's just, again, he's got to play more um, off the bounce. He's got to get something in transition. He's got to get an offensive rebound. Uh, he's got to make something happen easy. Uh, that's why I keep telling him, don't don't rely on don't don't just be a three a three point shooter. You know, this you've got so much more to your game than that. You've got to just get get something easy with your athleticism, and uh, it hasn't happened yet. Hopefully, in this this game now uh, on Saturday, there's going to be broken floor play after broken floor play. You're going to have to make unorthodox basketball plays. Uh, with the way that because of the way they defend and the way they come at you and trap all over the floor so he will have those opportunities on Saturday he's just going to have to capitalize and certainly he's still one of your very best defenders and and played a couple of different roles on Saturday he had Reeves at times he had Manic at times did get in some foul trouble early which kind of cut down his minutes in the first half yeah and, and I mentioned in the locker room after the game Dexter as well as others that played um you know, Poor Bear didn't play much. Uh, um, Asbjorn. Asbjorn didn't play much. But everyone that played in that game contributed in some way to help us win. So uh, JB didn't have his best game, but he did score three early and, and had a couple of nice assists. Uh, he played some really good defense on, on uh, uh, Austin. So I just thought um, – Everyone that played contributed, including Dex, and, and we need it. That's what we tell them. We can't beat a team like that and walk in here after the game and say, raise your hand if you played well and see zero or one or two hands. We need four, five, six people to raise their hand and say, played well tonight. And that's what it takes. 
And, and as you just talked about, uh, even if they didn't play particularly well, made some plays, enough things to make a contribution, even on an off night. For Absolutely. Find, find a way to help the team win. You know, and that's, that's my job, not just p putting the five best scorers out there or the five tallest guys out there or whatever. Um, put the guys out there that give us the best chance to win. And, and as a head coach especially, that is a major part of your job is to figure out who those guys are. And for me, I've always been – I look for defenders. I look for guys that make hustle plays. I mean, heck, I'm at the original new way today uh, at lunch, and I see um, a plaque, and it, was, uh, it said uh, the Wessel Legacy. It had Big Ev – then it had Todd as a football player in the mid-80s. And then it had Evan, the grandson, uh, playing for me for five years. And talk about a guy that was a blend guy and helped you win. Uh, Evan was a part of a hundred and something, some odd wins over the course of his career. And he wasn't a great scorer unless we were playing the Jayhawks. <laughs> All right. Lots more to talk about on this Monday night. We'll continue with head coach Greg Marshall right after this. Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show. We continue our Monday discussion and a couple of interesting developments in the last couple of days. In fact, since the Shocker win over Oklahoma on Saturday. Yesterday, the same Oklahoma State team, and I mean the same team, Isaac Likely, their outstanding point guard, is still not playing. The same team that Wichita State beat by 19 in Stillwater went to American Conference co-favorite Houston and beat them by six in Houston. So that's an interesting little development. And Colgate won at Cincinnati. And so a couple of the, the preseason favorites in the league picked above the Shockers, maybe not quite yet anyway what they were expected to be. And it just makes for kind of a, an interesting little bit of scoreboard watching and, uh, and kind of looking ahead here in another couple of weeks to the start of conference play a little bit. Yeah, I can't, get, can't go there yet. Uh, got a little work to do before we get to conference play, but um, obviously the, the conference is going to be really, really good. Uh, I, I watched part of the Oklahoma State-Houston game, Mike. Um, Oklahoma State you know, made just enough plays. They had a 16-point lead at halftime. Uh, Houston came back and I think either tied it or took the lead. And then Oklahoma State just made just enough plays. But uh, your Anai made a move where he went with his offhand, which is the one that only has the two and a half fingers. And it was a, such a big time play. And I'd never seen him shoot with that hand and he made it kind of like Jamie, how he does the backhand stick. It was a little awkward, but it was high off the glass. It went in, it was a crucial play in that win for them. And then they made the free throws down the stretch and handled Houston's pressure. Um, I didn't see any of the, Houston, uh, the Cincinnati Colgate game, but I did read a quote by John Brannon, who actually used to play for me when I was an assistant at Marshall University in 1996-97. Um, John was a player, a senior that year at Marshall and a Rhodes Scholar candidate, wonderful guy. But he's coaching Cincinnati now, and I read the comment, they missed a half-court shot that would have won the game, Cincinnati. I think the score was tied. Colgate got the rebound, I think, and a Cincinnati player went up and fouled the Colgate guy not knowing that the score was tied. Mm. And it, they, they literally lost the game in that fashion. So, 
at home, sending the visiting team to the line to win the game, and they shouldn't. And he fouled him kind of intentionally. At least that's what I read, because John's quote was he didn't know what the score was. That's probably job one, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Tough. But, you know, you can tell kids to your blue in the face, always no time and score, but sometimes they get caught up in what they're doing, which is a lot on the court, and there's a lot of things coming at them, and they don't know time and score. So you have to constantly remind them. What are the best examples I've ever seen? I did a game, a KU game at Kentucky back in the late 70s. KU had a timeout. They told their guys, and they were – they were, Kentucky had the ball. And they said, if Kentucky scores, this is what we're going to do. But we are out of timeouts. Don't call timeout. Kentucky scored four of the five guys on the floor for KU signaled timeout. So technical foul. Kyle Macy, the best free throw shooter in the country, goes to the line for Kentucky and wins the game. I have a lot of thoughts on that comment, Mike. <laughs> but uh, my first thought would be, what in the heck are you doing doing at Kentucky-Kansas game? It was before game? my shocker <laughs> oh, days. So anyway, yeah. Okay, that's the biggest thing I got a problem with there. But, no, um, that's why I don't I, – I, I think only maybe once, maybe twice in my whole life have I been out of timeouts, and one was this year. It was early in the season, and I had to tell the guys, I'm out of timeouts. Nobody call a timeout. I didn't like that. So, you know, so every once in a while, you just – it's instinctive to save a tie-up, you call a timeout. And, um, and I have a tendency to do that. I can do that now in the last two minutes of the game, call a timeout in the live ball situation. But I don't, I don't, like, I don't like being out of timeouts. And I've had many coaches tell me, I know what I say. I don't always know what they hear. So. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Also out today, the polls, Wichita State is 29th in the voting in the AP poll today, so getting close, and 7th in the coaches poll, and one of the two teams immediately above them is Saturday's opponent, VCU. They are tied for 25th. VCU is also 22nd in the CBS poll that they put out on their own. And uh, they're just a little bit behind the Shockers in the uh, AP poll. Also, maybe of more importance, the NCAA net rankings are not out yet. They I haven't started doing those. But Ken Pomeroy come out today. Do they? Ken Pomeroy, where We're are you? We're 14th. Wow. wow. I cannot believe I, you don't know that, I, Mike. I keep looking every day, Mike, but it I came didn't out see today. It, it came out today. I, that's a first. I'm, I'm breaking news to Mike. <laughs> For the very first time I've been in 13 looking every years. week, thinking it's about Today, time they put them the out. the Shockers were 14 in the net. Okay. 30, 34 in the Ken Pomeroy, which is another very good metric. Shockers are 11th again in overall defense in the Ken Pomeroy evaluations. But the, the point is they're, they're starting to move up in those areas where – Ultimately, down the road, that's going to be a you know talking points for at-large selection. Uh, Joe Lenardi has him as a ten seed now in his bracket already, ten games into the season. Long year, man. <laughs> it's a long year. We've got a lot of work to do, and and but but again, I'll continue to say it. I like my team. I like the fact that we're pretty good now, but we have a chance to be very good, and we just have to keep working. We have to keep learning how to play with each other and keep getting better defensively and keep getting stronger on the glass and, and executing better on the offensive end. But there's, there's young talent there that, the, the, I mean, we have a base of, of young players. It's really good, especially at the guards. All right, we have touched on VCU a little bit, but a lot to talk about with the Rams coming to town. So we'll be back to talk about this week's game in just a moment.
Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show. Certainly one of the more notable opponents in recent Shocker history has been VCU. I mean, you think about the bracket buster game here in 2011 that was decided by an incredible call, and uh, VCU ends up going to the Final Four that year. Uh, the Shockers played them in the 2012 NCAA tournament in Portland, had a big win on a last-second shot by Malcolm Armstead to, uh, early in that 2012-13 season that led to a Final Four. So there's been a, a really interesting kind of exciting history, and this is the follow-up to a game played in Richmond last year. And, Coach, you mentioned that game last year. Rich, or, uh, VCU won by a fairly decisive score, but that was a close game. And then that was the game where Jamie injured his foot, had the plantar fascia tear late in the first half and was playing well. And that really kind of changed that game a little bit. We were actually up seven um, midway through the first half, a little later than that, uh, when we got the second foul on uh, Marcus McDuffie. And then the next play, we got the second foul on um, Samaje Haynes-Jones which left us with the youngest team in Division <laughs> I basketball in the last decade. Uh, when you take those two seniors out early last year, boy, we had no experience. So, uh, and that's when it kind of fell apart. And then Jamie, who was playing well, hurt his foot. And, man, it was like a tidal wave of bad things to happen at the end of the first half, and, and it just carried over into the second half, and we couldn't stem the tide. So... Uh, they're a very talented team. Mike Rhodes, uh, who used to coach at my alma mater, he was the assistant there for a while under the guy that I played for and, and Hal Nunley, who got me in the business. And then he became the head coach when Coach Nunley retired and had a wonderful run. Uh, the program had moved to Division Three by that time, and he was number one in the country at one point as a Division Three program. Uh, then he goes as assistant to VCU, becomes a head coach at Rice for a couple of years, starts to turn the corner there, and, and, and is asked to come back when uh, Will Wade uh, went to LSU. So um, he's a couple coaches away from the Shaka Smart uh, tree, but, but he coached under Shaka. Uh, really, really good coach. They play – they've got – mostly all seniors and juniors that play it'll be a veteran team they play extremely hard extremely tough it will be a war this game saturday will be one of the best games of the year uh and and one of the best teams on our schedule they were 18 and 15 in coach Rhodes' first season came back to go 25 and 8 last year went to the ncaa tournament have four starters and nine letter winners back from that team so as coach said a very veteran team all four of the returning starters were double-figure scorers last year. And you mentioned that connection with Mike Rhodes and then Will Wade and, and the tie back to Shaka Smart. That has become the way, going back to Shaka, just the way VCU plays. And you might talk a little bit about their approach defensively. Well, they, they used to call it Havoc. Um, and it was like that uh, back in Jeff Capel's days and then Anthony Grant's days and then, uh, you know, uh, the year 2011 when the unbelievable call with Joey Rodriguez, otherwise we win that game and maybe go to the NCAA tournament. That's the year we, we blitz everyone in the NIT. Instead, VCU goes and goes to the Final Four. Who knew that, that bracket buster game and that call uh, at the very end of the game on the last play would determine so much of, of that season? But um, they play really, really hard, man. They, they, they – 
trap everywhere. They run and jump. They, they've got six or seven different styles of press, but press they do, and they, they come at you on every possession. And last year with those young guards and you know, Ricky Torres, man, it was just a struggle for us even to get it over half court. It was an accomplishment to get it over half court. This year, um, I, 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 I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I do believe we've got more depth and more talent and uh, just we've tried to prepare them for this game all along. We have a couple of drills that we do um, where we, we call it four on three, three on four, and it's trapping all over the floor on the four defenders against the three offensive players. And then the three offense, um, the three, the, the switch it around and come back. So it's just numbers all the time. And it's basically playing opportunity basketball. Just to throw some numbers at you, they are averaging almost 11 steals and six blocks a game, forcing 20 turnovers a game. That's just their their bread and butter. And certainly uh, some of the lessons that learned, I would hope, at, at the West Virginia game. No, pick up your dribble. Don't, you know, some of those kinds of things that you just can't put yourself in a situation where they can suddenly swarm you. Yeah, and you've got to keep the ball centered. You can't get too close to the sideline. You've got to know that when you turn your back, if you turn your back, the double team's coming. And we've always got to get guys cutting, multiple cutters towards the basketball. And like I like to, again, center the ball so that when you do make the pass out of the double team, you have it centered. Now you can go either way, and you're just not boxed in on one side of the court. So, um, again, You'll have to make unorthodox opportunity basketball plays. It's not cookie cutter by any stretch of the imagination. Now, when you beat that pressure, I always say if you make two passes out of the double team towards the weak side, you're going to get a wide open look. So you just have to then burn your wide open looks. And how much do you feel like it may have helped you? The pre Again, this is a different press and more of them, but uh, the press that you faced against Oklahoma State, you, you did a good job of taking it through the press but maintaining some discipline and making good decisions. Yeah, and then nothing, like, nothing like that. No, that, that, was a, that was a token, just a baby press. This is a big boy press. This is a, this is a grown man press, and they work on it every day, and they're really good at it, and it's their, it's their calling card. It really is, and... Uh, you know, we just, we're going to have to be very disciplined, make great decisions, be strong with the basketball, do everything with two hands, all the things that these guys have heard every single day that they've been here, and hopefully we'll be at our, our, our best on Saturday. Is it, just because of some of the things you've described, uh, an interesting transition from the Oklahoma game because certain guys like Noah Fernandez didn't play, but might be a guy that could really help you in a game like this if he plays well. absolutely and and you know that's what I'll talk about tomorrow in practice is is uh, Noah will, could possibly go from playing very little or if any against Oklahoma to playing quite a bit against this team because you need as many guys that can make point guard plays I could conceivably and I've already thought about this have Noah Grant and JB all on the floor at one time because they can all bounce it and create for themselves or others and is it also a game that uh, certainly it's a benefit to have that not only year of experience but year of physical maturity with guys like JB and Eric because this is going to be a very physical type of press. Yeah, it's a, it's a physical game. They're athletic. Uh, again, they play hard. They're deep. Uh, they're strong. They're well coached. So I'm just excited for this opportunity. I mean, you know, we're 9-1. We're and one. Uh, This is the last game we've got 
before Christmas. I mean, we win this game. More than likely, we go into Christmas in, on, a, on a streak uh, uh, with, with several marquee wins and a top 25 ranking. So if we can finish the, 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 the three games, we had Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and now VCU in a two-week stretch, uh, would just be marvelous from, compared to where we were this time last year. And I talked to you a little bit about this before the game on Saturday. This is the time of year when you have an opportunity to really get better just because of finals being over, school being out, you can practice a little more, the guys can really focus on basketball, but you've actually kind of led into that a little bit with the space you've had between games where you've been able to spend a little more practice time just getting better and then preparing for the opponent. Absolutely. And, and like, we took Sunday and Monday off. You know, the, the, we, I, mean, I knew the snow was coming and all that, and I told them at one point during the Oklahoma game, this is not your day off. Your day off is tomorrow, and if we win, you get Monday as well. So gave them a little incentive there in the middle of the second half. It seemed to work. Um, but we've, we've got four days now to get prepared for VCU. We'll go light on Wednesday. We'll practice really well tomorrow, I hope. Lighter on Wednesday and then two regular practices to get ready for the game of Thursday, Friday. And I, I get the sense that you're really pleased that when you have this kind of time to practice and work on things, the time is productive. You feel like they're really listening and applying themselves and that you are getting better on all those areas you're working on. Yeah, I mean, the, everything, we try, to, we, we try to be very upfront with them and honest, you know. There are certain non-negotiable things in our program. If you do these things, you're, you're going to have to sit down. Uh, and and I, when I don't just tell them that. I actually do it, and then they, okay, well, coaches, if I do that, he sits me down. So I don't like to sit down, so I have to stop doing that. So we, we do that with all of these pre-conference games. You, you have to teach the young guys, okay, this is what it takes. We're not going to be sloppy with the ball. We're going to rebound and defend every time, and we're going to communicate as well as we can, and, and we're going to take good shots. So those are the, 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 the fundamentals. And when they do those things and, and they play really hard and they play well, if, they're, if they get tired, they give us a fist, if they, they, they come back in. As soon as they're not tired anymore, they come back in. But if you start – hurting the team because you're a little selfish and you don't want to come out of the game and you don't want to give the fist to tell the coaching staff that you're a little winded and you start affecting the team in a negative way, then you don't come back in. So all of those things, and if, if they can continue to grow and learn from that and then just let their natural talent uh, take over, um, we have, we have a, a very, very fun year ahead of us. You know, I, I get the sense, obviously last year was not – fun at all to go through and, and what you had to do to get that team better and where they needed to be. But, uh, but like with all things in life, does it just make all of this that much more enjoyable to, to get, have gotten through that and seen these guys progress and now have a group where you really can see the potential to be something kind of special? Absolutely. I mean, last year was tough, man. We were, this time last year, I was sitting here, I was, just, I was dreading these shows, and, you know, my, do, my dauber was down. I'm gonna, I gotta, I've got to put a positive face on this, and it's hard to do when you're just getting your head handed to you every, every other week, every, twice a week or whatever it is. Uh, but just to see that I really enjoyed watching the team grow last year. Now we've added some nice pieces and uh, we've stayed healthy, first of all, uh, other than Jamie, who was out for four weeks. And Noah, missing nine weeks, really set him back in the fall. But uh, we're healthy now, 
And um, other than Joe, who looks like he'll redshirt, he's still trying to get 100%, and he's working pretty hard helping us as a scout team member, but he's still not 100% healthy. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I hope we can continue to improve. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do better. We can execute much better. Our timing's getting a little better on some of our sets, and we're getting the ball where we want instead of way out of the paint. We're getting the ball in the paint. Um, but, you know, we, we, we just, we just got to keep working, man. It's a long season. This is December, and last year we were playing in April. Well, Coach, thank you. Congratulations on the start, and uh, we'll see you on Saturday. Thanks, Mike. Uh, just one other thing to mention. Wichita State's ninth win last year came on January the 31st. The Shockers are at 9-1 and one right now on December the 16th, heading into their last game before Christmas. Make note, that is an unusual start time Saturday, 11 a.m. tip-off against the Rams from VCU, and we will see you out at Coke Arena. Thanks for being with us. Again, we'll be off the next couple of weeks from the Coaches Show. Be back after the first of the year here at AJ's. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.